0: Welcome back to the LED Project Podcast. My name is Kyle Krieger, and I'm thrilled to be joined tonight by uh, my co-host Wilkie V. Law III. My whole government name, wow. I, and
1: <laughs>
0: and I'm and I'm using your whole government name to 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 reintroduce. It's the second time for us, but it's the first time on the podcast. Juan Gonzalez Jr. Juan, what's going on? Hello. Yeah. So. I I gotta, I, gotta, I gotta start with a, a, a fair bit of transparency. We recorded with Juan like uh, two weeks ago it would have been sometime mid-April, and I somehow did not save the audio from the podcast and lost it. So this is the uh, Juan Gonzalez Jr. Uh, episode 2.0. So we're <laughs> we're we're th- we're thrilled to have you back, Juan. Man, thanks for taking some time for us.
1: Of course, I'm excited to be back, and maybe that episode will be, you know, it'll reappear. and It could be like the lost episode. Like, <laughs> you know that would that would be the
0: that would be what would happen. You know, with a computer that just decides it's gonna it's gonna freak out. So. So, yeah, yeah. but j- just, to, you know, a refresher, Juan, I mean, we, we talked about this to you, but but we really, what we've been learning and what we've been hearing with you and the p- other people we have on the podcast, and this is a central topic that you talked about the last time, was, you know, the power of our stories. So. Mm-hmm. We're, we're bringing you on here to really um, you know tell your story and hopefully inspire teachers and add value to their craft so starting out a little bit different can you just give us a, a basic overview of your background and and kind of how how you got into teaching and where you're teaching at now sure
1: uh, so I think um, when I think back to just being in school like I've always loved school I, um, there's like I have pictures of me like reading to my brothers and i just i i've always loved school when i was in high school uh my junior year they had this uh program that allowed high school students to like develop lesson plans and uh work with like three to four year olds in like a daycare program and uh i guess i we had to like apply for it and i went in and it was that time in my junior and senior year that i was part of that class that they called trooper school that I really was like, oh, teaching is for me. Like, I want to be a teacher. And so when I, uh, when I left high school, like every job that I took was either like an after school program or summer camp. So I've always been working with kids and it's always been something that, that made me excited. And so I went into college with that goal in mind, went to the University of Houston, uh, did an internship in second grade. And so I spent a whole year with second grade my first year of teaching, I was taught in first grade, and then I went to third grade. I've been teaching in third grade for eight years, and I teach in Dickinson, Texas. And yeah, there's no looking back. Like this is what I do. This is what I love. Um, I'm a teacher, and I'm proud of it.
0: Awesome, man.
1: You know, let me let me just comment on that because I love the way you
2: said that. Is that I'm a teacher, and I'm proud of it. You know, because I think one of the things I used to get a lot, don't get it anymore, because most of my closest friends know my response by now. But they would always, you know, when I'm off during the holidays or when I'm sitting at home on the weekends, they're like, oh, man, go get a job. You're just a teacher.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And and I would always tell them, I invite you for one day to come and do learn to do what I do. Yeah. And then I will even invite myself to come over and learn and do what you do. And let's compare yeah. the days and see who's able to function more.
1: Yes,
2: You know, because teaching a group of 30, 60, 90, 120 kids throughout a school day is no easy task. Absolutely. Shuffling paper and writing memos and responding to emails. I mean, we do all of that simultaneously while we're, as a teacher, you know, so... Yeah, so I'm glad to hear you said I'm a teacher and I'm proud. Maybe that's a teacher. I'm a teacher and I'm proud.
0: Yeah. But maybe we can go in there and get with Tasha and see if we can get something. To Let's do something. it. I'm a teacher and I'm proud. Yeah, yeah absolutely. All right. So <clears throat> first question uh, beyond that is, could you uh, tell us about your favorite teacher and why that person was your favorite teacher?
1: Uh, so... I th- when I think back of like my schooling, and really when in elementary, like I can name all of my elementary teachers. Like those are ingrained in my head. And then in middle school and high school, like there's certain ones that pop up and I still think about. Uh, but I've had I've been lucky that I feel like I've had really great teachers. And but the one that's like super my favorite, and the one that I always talk about is Miss Wolf, my pre-K teacher. And uh, she was just such a and. I don't know if it's because she was my like my first right it was pre K and I um I don't know if just she, she was like my first experience with school is why she's she's my favorite, but she was just somebody who was so caring and so loving and made me and I I I think back and I really like loved being around her and I loved being at school and uh, even throughout like while I was at that elementary school and I I graduated from the same district that I was that I went to school at and. Uh, I stayed in contact with her, and um, so yeah, Miss Wolf, she's my favorite teacher, because she just made me feel good, and uh, and I and I'm, I feel lucky that I was always in contact with her, and even a couple of years ago, I saw her at the mall, and uh, that was really cool, because I was with my mom, and I saw her, and I was super excited, and I was super excited to go up to her and tell her that I was a teacher, and I, when I walked up to her, it took her a while to, to, like when I told her my name, she had to look at me for a little bit, and then when... It finally like came to her, like who I was. I saw it in her eyes, and she like pinched my cheeks, and uh, it was just like a really special moment. And I, I, I feel really lucky to be able to say like I'm a teacher, and I'm really excited about it, and just to have that that connection with her and be able to share that story with her is special to me. So, Miss Wolf, thanks,
2: Wolf. I'm gonna tell you that is what I would call as a teacher the million dollar moment. Yes. As a teacher, you know, as a teacher, when when a student comes back and say, "Hey, I you were so impactful to me that now I'm doing the same thing that you did,"
1: you know, yes. that's huge.
2: I mean, that's like you know, like you say, wasn't saying uh, the uh, imi- imitation is the greatest form of flattery.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, and I think you know, the more great teachers we have out there, we'll continue to produce a pool of great teachers. That are gonna come out of them. Not everyone, but those ones will
0: come out. I love that story, man. It gave me goosebumps. It's awesome. So, so coming back, I think I remember your answer to this question, which is funny because like I'm trying to remember and like think back to what we asked you last time. So, um, as a teacher, if you had a superpower or you were a superhero, which which one would it be?
1: You know, I wondered if you would ask me this again. and uh, so i was like do i change my answer do i like was i proud of what i said and i'm gonna stick with it it still would be if i was to be any superhero i would be harry potter and my reasoning is the same like i don't need super strength in the classroom I, i mean sure it'd be great to like lift things or like move things with my eyes and all that but i feel like harry potter like being a wizard i mean not even harry potter like i'll be a wizard but having a wand and having spells and be able to to get help on an instant uh, is something I would need as a, as in the classroom. So if I want to turn into a superhero, it would definitely have to be Harry Potter. Yeah. And, you know, after I want to say afterwards, um, I went and I listened to some of your episodes and I listened to Mr. D's and Mr. D talked about wanting to be April from uh, Ninja Turtles. <laughs> <laughs> And it was just such the best, like, it was the greatest answer. And so, like, I messaged him, and I told him, I was like, that is the best answer in the whole world. Like, we need to get you a yellow jacket.
0: And he agreed, so. Oh, man. Uh, he's so he's so he's so awesome. And you know the funny thing about him is if you sent him that yellow jacket and he wore it, there would be, like, a thousand teachers posting pictures of themselves in a yellow jacket, like, the next yes. day. Oh, it's one of my favorite things. It's one of my favorite things about him.
1: So good. But yes, Harry Potter, that is my superhero, and I'm proud of it. I'm proud of that, too.
0: Perfect, perfect. All right, so, so continuing on, uh, l- let's talk a little bit about your view of the state of education because the last time I really, we really loved your answer and the way you framed that. So talk a little bit about your feelings on the state of education.
1: So, um, this one's always hard for me. Like, I think when I, when I started, when I, something that I realized about education is that the media, and I think sometimes just the human experience, sometimes like we're more attracted to like the, the negative stories, right? Like for some reason, that's why the media is what it is. Like, uh, we pay attention to, to something that has like urgency behind it or something scary. And so with education, anytime it's on the media, it's because it's something bad that's happened. or just And I'm talking about, like, really bad, like, you know, on the spectrum of just horrible. When And so when I realized that, like, I, I wanted to make a point that when I talked about education, I always put it in a positive light. Like, I wanted to share it because I do believe um, there are amazing things happening every single day in all classrooms regardless of where we're teaching. But then at the same time, I don't want to take away from um, – our fellow colleagues who don't have maybe the same uh, pay as us or the same uh, buildings as us, because I know that they, they need to be sharing their stories too because it's not equal, right? It's not equal to our students and our teachers. It's not equal in our country. Um, so I think those stories are important because we need to know that. We need to know that we're not all in the same playing field and some of us need more than others. But I also think we also need to talk about the good things. So it's not only shining light on what's bad uh, let's also shine light on the hard work that we're doing and the connections that we're making and when we do that um, hopefully like we can get an equal balance of the, the stories that are being told about education because I do I mean, I've heard someone say it before and I believe it. it's like education has a bad PR problem and that's what people want to focus on and that's what, and, and there, is, there are some bad things but I think to everything in life there's something bad right like nothing is perfect everything has a good and a bad to it uh, but with education being so important, we have to focus on both. Um, so, in that kind of answer, like it's just hard because I want to say all the great things that I see and that I believe that I do, but I also don't want to take away from those teachers that um, I know are struggling and I know it's not easy and they're really working, working their butt off for, our, for, their, for their kids and sometimes having to like work against the force that's working against them. So, I don't know. It's, it's
0: tough. It's really tough. Yeah, I was hoping you would bring up that point of, of education having a bad PR problem because I that was one of the most profound things I, I've heard said, like, in all the episodes of the podcast is, is, is just, like you said, there's, so, there, there's only negative attention really paid to what's out there. And, yes, you know, there are people like Ellen who has you know a teacher every once in a while on the show but there's not a consistent like just positive light of of the good things that are happening you know over and over in classrooms every day and, and you know we've Wilkie and I have talked about this since we talked to you on the podcast like that's what we hope the podcast is for a, a lot of is is it just adds to that light and you know in an, an analogy I heard once is that you know a bunch of really little lights that are, you know, shine together can usually overcome that one spotlight that's that's you know, burning bright on the negative side. And I I just really like the way you said that it's just it's just a PR problem is, is, is is as is as simple as it gets. Right. And I hope too
1: that like now with with social media and um But the movements that we see in giving teachers a different voice and um, getting different eyes on it, um, I think that's super powerful. And so, um, like the walkouts and all the other things that teachers are using their voice for, for their their sake and also their school and for their students, um, I want to see more of that. And I want to support more of that because I think it's important. Mm -hmm. And so I'm proud of that movement, too, that's happening for education.
0: Will, anything you want to add to this before we move on?
2: Um, No, man. You know, I I love both answers. I I love what you were saying before about us being attracted to the negative, and that's just the nature of it. And I think that's, like you said, that's our purpose, is to kind of roll out the carpet for those teachers that are doing great. And we have some things coming up that we're going to keep you in mind for. We're going to kind of keep it. I'm going to play Kyle right now and let a little bit out the bag, but we have some things coming up within you know for this uh, beginning the next school year and going into next summer uh that we're planning on doing and um and i think that's what we're trying to do is just put that light that positive spin on there are great teachers out here there there are Mm -hmm. teachers that are in the trenches that are down to do whatever it needs to be to make sure that their kids are successful not just on the state assessment but that they Mm -hmm. have those skills to be that lifelong longer learner in whatever avenue or field of study they choose to go into Yes,
1: you
2: know because that that,
1: that that's what's most important. Mm-hmm. So,
0: one hundred percent on board with that. All right, so so ro- rolling in and like I said, this is so fun for me because I'm looking at my notes and and you've kind of gone verbatim exactly with what you said, um, the last time. But can you now talk about uh, your philosophy on education?
1: Um. So. My philosophy on education I, I, and it's simple like I just want to like when I when I think about like what do I want to do with my students what do I want to do as a teacher it's like I just want to instill something in my students that they will always have a love for learning and a, and a hunger for wanting to know more like that's it that's what I want for them um and when I I remember you know this question gets asked to you when you're in college and you're doing your your program and I and I was in a teaching class and they asked me, well, we had to put a project together like, and present our teaching philosophy to everyone. And I remember I made uh, brochures, like travel brochures for everyone, and I passed them out. And I said that I wanted my, my classroom to be like a vacation, a place where students can get away from um, their life and come into the world and experience the world. And, uh, and I feel like that's kind of on the same level now, it's just a little bit more simplistic. Like I just want to I, it's simple like I just want to show them like the I want to give them pieces of the world and I want them to be excited about it and 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 that help them find themselves and plant those seeds and just keep it simple and help them like they just I want them to love learning that's it
0: right right and and along you know that path and I think this is kind of going into to the next question, but you talked about not only um Getting them to know themselves but but getting them to know know and love learning so how how do you strive to do those two things Cause I think it's it's one thing for you know us to want kids to love love learning and want to do that but but how do you merge that with helping them get to know who they are
1: Yes so i think um when when I first started teaching like the district that i That i currently work for like they had kind of just um i don't know like it's just like it's a program right it's like it was a reading program and it tells you what to do and it tells you what to say and it's very much like living within a box and there's like worksheets and i'm not you know there's a there's a time and a place for a worksheet i'm not downing it or whatever but i think like when we when we are instructing our students and we're teaching them about the things that we're teaching about um if we're not making any like real life connections for them or well, we're not talking to them in a real way. And it's just kind of like, hey, you need to do this. Which I feel like I did in like the very beginning of my teaching. Like I was just asking them to do things, but never never a why. And so in that, I felt like um, students can if they're even like for me, like in life, like if I'm not connected to it, I'm not into it, right? So it's about finding the finding a way that in your instruction that is relevant to the students, and when I say relevant, it's just like talk. Sometimes I feel like when I teach, I'm just talking to them, like, "Hey, if this is what we're doing. This is why we're doing it," um, and giving them like a real sense of purpose. And so when it feels like more re- I, and that's how I feel when I'm when I'm more real and in, in the way that I'm instructing and in the way I'm talking about things, then there's more buy-in because they don't feel like, and I it, I still feel like kids are are very intelligent little little human beings and they can, they can sense like when we're dishing out nonsense or when they can really see genuine teaching. And so when we're genuine with our teaching and we're, we're real about the things we're showing them and when we're giving them a real sense of purpose, that's their first step into the buy-in of them wanting to to be in it with you and want to know more and make them curious. Um, so yeah, and that, I mean that's the first step, and then of course like relationship, relation, relationship above everything, and that's easy to get because kids want to love you, kids want to to be around you, you know. Um, I don't know. I think I I went off track
0: a little bit. No, that's well, that's yeah. perfect. Okay, you're, you're spot on because when we and you when you were
2: speaking, I was thinking of Kyle and I. We did a um, I guess I'll plug Aldine Inspire. Uh, Aldine does a, a, a tribute almost every year to teachers. They have people nominate uh, teachers from around the district, and they all come together and kind of give like a little spiel about their educational journey, their philosophy, and, you know, it's kind of a almost like a little small TED talk. And um, mm-hmm. Kyle and I presented, and we presented on the ABCs of Inspired Teaching, and the very A that we came up with in that was Authenticity. And when Mm you were saying genuine about what we're teaching, genuine about the learning, genuine about it, I kept thinking, trusting authentically who you are. Mm -hmm. That you said buy-in and we said believability. Because I'm Mm -hmm. just me, that sense of, I have to believe that what's coming out of your mouth matches with what I see in my perception. I have to make sure that that's consistent. And once that's consistent, I don't care what you're teaching me. Mm I don't care what it is. You can teach me how to rub sticks together to make a fire. I'm gonna be all in because I I, you show me who you say you are and I believe you.
1: Right.
2: And as teaching, we have that opportunity to connect with kids like that. And I think when you do that genuinely, it opens up the doors for so much more learning, you know, that goes far beyond any curriculum could even touch.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. So so continuing and and like I said, I, I keep having fun looking at this notes, knowing what you're gonna say next. So, uh, we asked you last time, what are you most pas- passionate about as a teacher? And I I'm so excited to hear the answer again.
1: What if I just changed it on you and just like let you down?
0: That would be fine because yeah. I have the note right I have the note right here, and I would just ask you a direct question, like, "Hey, two weeks ago you said this. Yeah. Could you elaborate?"
1: Yeah. No, no, no. The thing that I'm most passionate about with teaching is the kids. Um, I uh, I recently put together a blog post on Scholastic and I was just kind of like putting my feelings out there. And when one of the sentences I wrote was I said, I think my life would be boring without my students. And I really do believe that. I think, um, like I said, I'm really proud to be a teacher. And, uh, and the, kid, the kids is what brings me back. Like even when I'm you know, having issues with admin or just, like, a really bad day. Uh, the kids are why I do this. It's why I went into this. And so the conversations that I have with the kids, the, the growth that I see in them, the the challenges, because it's not always easy. Um, but for me, like, it, it keeps me going to know, like, oh, my gosh, like, sometimes I'm not connecting with a student or a student's not. Uh, what, finding those things that can help them be better. Um that's what keeps me in the classroom like I love being able to work with students and being a part of their life in a really big way and not that I expect them to remember me but I but I hope that my impact shapes them to be better and so that's that's important to me so yeah my kids are the kids that I work with yeah what most and
0: about. and I and I love that you said that too because I think oftentimes and I know I went through this as teachers, we don't appreciate how much we, how much we get from the kids in terms of joy and love and fulfillment and all that stuff of of that interaction. And I think it's really powerful that you said that, and that we remind teachers like that you should be enjoying it. It's okay to enjoy the relationships, you know. And and it's hard because you know we were talking about the bad PR in education, and yes, there are some teachers who don't maintain appropriate relationships, but the vast majority of, of the teachers out there are are in these really healthy and beneficial relationships, and, and I really think teachers need to remember that those relationships go both ways. Like, we can't always just solely focus on how the kids are benefiting. We, we should appreciate how we're benefiting from our kids. Right. And I think also,
1: too, like, you know, just recently... Um, I got, I received an invitation. Uh, one of my very first third graders is being inducted into the national junior's honor society. And she has invited me to be her teacher of honor. And uh, of course, like, I got super emotional. and I'm so excited. It's at the end of this month. Uh, but what really struck me was that she was a student who was, who wasn't very talkative. She was shy. She still came to me for certain things, but I still loved on her and I still understood her boundaries. And, um, it was just really interesting to see that she remembered me all these years later when sometimes I felt like I wasn't connecting like I should with her. Uh, or, or sometimes I felt like I was asking too much of her when I was kind of pushing her to, to, be, to speak and to do some, so, some things. Uh, so just in the, so right now I'm sharing the story with you because sometimes we don't know the impact. Like You think you know, you're not making an impact, but really you are. Uh, that's kind of big.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I you oh, that know, that, that that point you make of and I think that's maybe one of the hardest things for a teacher to focus on, you know, when when we're in this era of standardized testing and measurements and accountability that you really can never know the difference that you make. And and the right. analogy that that Wilkie uses and this is the one that he uses all the time is and I think he, he said the last time, we're just we're just planting seeds, really. You know, and and we have the trust that the next person down, you know, the next teacher down the line is going to, um, you know, nurture that seed the way it is. And, and hopefully the accumulation of all of that nurturing and all that those relationships, you know, help a kid blossom into someone who, you know, wants to come back and appreciate you. I mean, and that's 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 such an incredible thing. You know, a couple of years ago, my last year in Aldine. Uh, one of my former students that I had as, had, had as a seventh grader was getting um, a scholarship from Investex Credit Union, and he invited me to the ceremony, and it, it just meant the world to me, uh-huh. you know, and he was slated to to get a $1,000 scholarship, but, and I'm like, I'm not trying to brag about this, but because of the relationship I had and, and the recommendation I wrote for him, the people were so moved that they gave him $1,000 this year and five thousand dollars for the next two years and i was just like so well, uh, i, I awesome. was i was so blown away by that moment and it was you know and now i get to see him on facebook he's playing football at mary harden baylor and it's just it's just such an incredible feeling and an incredible moment to have that yes
1: and i think and i think in, when we all go into teaching like i think that's the first thing like we want to work with kids and then we get into it, and then we realize what the job really entails. And it is a lot, and it's very hard. But when it is hard, and when it is a lot, um, when you just kind of shift your focus for a little bit, and you really see like oh, the how grand it is to work with, with growing human beings and making an impact on their life. Then it kind of makes the the harder stuff um, a little bit easier to, to manage or to bear. Um it's, and it's really something I do when it, like especially right now as we're closing out the year and it's really difficult. Um, I make it a moment to be like present with the kids and be really appreciative because I'm never going to have them again. I'm never going to be there. I'm po- possibly never going to be their teacher again. They're never going to be in third grade again. Um, and so when you when you put things in pr- perspective like that, um, for me anyways, it's a lot easier to to kind of get over whatever the funk is that I have, that I'm currently in. Dang. Absolutely, I agree with
2: you. But, you know, I think that that's something, like, I believe that just like with our relationships, when we're dealing with adults and colleagues, we have to be intentional with our relationship with our students. Like, we have to always ask, what's the intentions behind it? Because if your intention behind it is to connect with your students, then everything that you do is justified by your intention. Right. So, you know, it's like, if you're if that's what you do, then do it. You know, I don't go to school and, like, you know, kind of half, half step and, and not. No, I'm all in with every single kid. You know, I'm high-fiving kids, I'm you know, that I just barely see who probably don't have a personal relationship with me, but they know, hey, that's the guy that always smiles and gives me a high-five when I'm coming out. to do mm-hmm. You know, and that's a positive interaction that they'll have with someone. And I think when you're intentional about wanting to do that and wanting to, build students in that area, I think it makes all the difference in the world. I mean, mm-hmm. and that's
0: what teaching is all about. I mean, <laughs> that's what it's all about. Definitely. All right. So, so I'm going to, this is the first time I'm kind of going to deviate, but last time I, I wrote this down, we were talking about, you know, you are a reading teacher at heart. That's your passion. That's your love. And mm-hmm. you said the last time. Human humans connect through story, and that's what books are. Um, we can expose students to everything in life through books. Could you just kind of expound and elaborate on that point? Because it was such a such a powerful point from the last time we talked.
1: Yeah. So I um, and there's been so many great like articles and people that have said the same thing, but like human the human experience is stories, right? Like that's how we connect. That's how we show who we are. And so when we think about books and why we should, why we should read, um, it's because they're stories and that's from the very beginning, what we love. And I think what's happened is we've turned books into reading into like this chore when we're not talking about them, how we're supposed to. And, um, and I believe that books are important because they are everything they're, they're form to escape, they're a form to, to learn, to teach, to see yourself, to see others. And so um, the way we talk about books, the way we, we talk about why we read is important. And so um, what I, when I said all that and why I believe it is simply because I want people to start changing the way we talk about reading because they are the stories that, that we love And we can all think back to a story that we remember reading in elementary school and we loved it just because, or we loved it because it made us feel a certain way or made us think of our own life in a certain way. And when we think about what students love, like if you talk to kids now, they're going to talk about video games, they're going to talk about Netflix. And it's all because those are stories themselves. And so when I talk to my students about reading, it's like we can include books in that party. Like we can love video games and love books and love movies because they're all doing the same thing. They're bringing us together because we love the story it's telling. And so um, when we can change what the way we talk about reading and not make it feel like a chore and really um, uh, a gateway to so much, uh, that, and I truly feel that that's one of the reasons that I, and don't get me wrong, like I, and I always say this, like I wish that I could say that I say that to kids and it works and boom, I'm, I'm dishing out readers everywhere, but I'm consistent with it. And when I, when I when I teach reading in that way and I show my students what, read, what reading really is, um, then they're listening, right? Then they're like, okay, what is this guy talking about? Like, why does he love it so much? And is, is this for real? And so when, again, when I don't turn it into something, and I always say, like, school is, or I'm sorry, I say reading is not a school thing. It's a life thing. And I tell my kids that all the time. So they stop associating books with the you know, just this chore that they have to do. And I really want them to know the power behind it. And we've known that forever. We know the power of books because it gives us knowledge, it gives us insight. And with that comes a lot of power. And so that's why reading is so important to me. You know, and coming from the math teacher in the
2: room (laughs) I'll say you know, my grandfather growing up, my grandfather would all my great grandfather would always tell us all the best things they hide them in books because they know most people won't read. Mm. And he, my grandfather, my great-grandfather, you know, third grade education, um, but when I say it was the most, the wisest man I've ever known in my entire life, um, with the depth of his knowledge. And it wasn't mm. because of what he was taught in the school, it was what he learned through the power of reading. Mm-hmm. You know, the most important in school then you know especially for most other African Americans we're, we're we're gonna get you in and we have to we only thing we're gonna focus on is teaching you how to read Because everything else you're supposed to go get right. and I think when you do that and you you and you empower kids with this this gift to to decode their world in a. In um I think that, and then you send them out, I think you've you armed them with a, with a mighty, mighty weapon uh, for
0: them to go forth and, and start doing things with. <clears throat> mm. <sighs> yeah, yeah. Um, if you don't mind, I, would you tell the story about the book Wonder again? Because that was what we talked about, that you read the book Wonder to your kids every year.
1: Yes, well, when Wonder first came out, I sh- I don't share it anymore because now it's kind of picked up in the middle grades. so I kind of let those teachers have it. When it first came out, it was a story that really touched me and I really loved. And uh, no matter how many times I read it, if I read probably some of those chapters to you right now, I'd cry. (laughs) Uh, Because it's a really beautiful story. And uh, so when I shared it with my students, I would cry in front of them. And and, and it wasn't intentional. Like, I just couldn't hold back. And I wouldn't hold back, and I would just cry. And I think it's a powerful thing to show. My students, because they don't sometimes, especially in third grade, they don't know the type of reactions you can have to reading or the, the journey that it can take you on. And so, me crying in front of them um, is a real, very real physical reaction. Uh, so, I would do that a lot. And I, st- you know, kids still talk about it. They still talk to me about, like, do you remember when you cried in front of us? I'm like, yes, I remember. Uh, And just recently, when the the movie came out, um, a parent organized me for me to go join my then students to go watch the movie. And uh, when we were watching the movie, they were, we were sitting in the theater together and they were just like looking at me like, are you crying? Are you crying yet? And then, so, so I think that like that's an experience for them to see like, whoa, look what reading can be. Look how I can have a reaction to it, how I can connect to it. So when you are reading to your students, um, if it makes you cry, if it makes you feel a certain ways, show them because then they know that they can have the same experience themselves. Right? It makes them. Re- it makes it real to them. Yes. It
2: makes them real. This is just as if you're living it. You're you're having an opportunity to to look into um to to look into this little picture. I mean, this mirror, this, this window in this time, this moment that was frozen. So that's yeah. I, I mean, I'm. I, I love reading. That my when my great grandfather told us that. I I mean I read I read I read now with Audible it makes it so much better. I mean because <laughs> I can do it on the go. You know I don't have to wait to sit down to do it. I can do it while I'm driving in my car. You know while I'm working out I can do I can just let the book play and you know bookmark it go back to it take notes. Actually, yeah, I can say yeah I'm I'm a, I'm with you on that one. I believe it. That's the power of it.
0: Yeah and there's and there's one more quote that I want you to just talk about before we move on from from the reading. You said reading is an is insight into the world before we live it. Could you just expand on that point a little bit because I thought that was so good too.
1: Yeah, so reading is an insight into the world before we live it because when you think about um even well just start with kids like they only know their bubble, right? Because it's whatever if, whatever their background is, wherever they are, like that is what they're gonna know until they, they get an opportunity to be out in the real world. And we have some students who do get to experience the real world and um, and that's and build, you know, their background knowledge and that's a beautiful thing. But then we have students who don't have that opportunity for, for various reasons. But books can provide that. Books can provide the ability for them to, to visit another country or to understand a person who has a different color skinning than them or or is being raised in a whole different country than them and books are, are their first insights of the world and so again that's why books are everything it's 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 the, the keys to all different parts of the world and, the, and it sounds so so big right like so simple like okay yes books are the key to everything but we don't it is that it, you know i don't know sometimes i feel like um it's cheesy the way, like, to say that. I don't know why I feel that. I just feel like it's cheesy to say, like, books are the world. Um, but it is true. It is true. Like, think about a student that we've had who doesn't get to, you know, do things on the weekends and really just knows home and, and that. And that's fine. That's, that's their upbringing.
0: But now we can give them more and we can do that through books. Oh, and there's and there is endless historical proof of the importance of books. Like, you know, there was a time not that long ago in the entire world that books were not available to everyone. And there have been times in our more recent past in the United States that, you know, books and reading weren't available to everyone. And, you know, th- that ability, like you said before, to to be able to read and then, you know, intrinsically start to learn and experience the world, I think is of the utmost importance, you know, and I went through a phase right after college for probably three or four years where I didn't really read much of anything because, you know, kind of like you had stated, reading had become a chore for me because I was in history classes where I was reading, you know, seven to eight books every semester. And I just was so turned off because I was always being told what I could read you know, and I think I got back into, I just started reading magazines like Men's Health. And then, you know, once I started doing that, they'd have an author of a book. And I'd be like, oh, I'll pick up that book. And, and you know, from there, I I fell in love with it again. But I, I think that that insight into the world, I think that's a super powerful point.
1: Yeah, and Kyle, I want to say, like, what you're saying right now is true for our students. Like, right now, and it's so true, graphic novels get such a bad rap because teachers just see pictures and um and it, it's i mean it, it's, it happens every day you know teachers don't think that that's real reading but just like you said you're picking up men's health and then all of a sudden you see and i uh, it sparks you to somewhere else when kids are reading whatever it is that they're reading let them read it because reading is a process it's a journey and it's not the same for everyone but if they're reading whatever it is like be happy, be excited. they reading honor that be excited for them because what we know is that it's just going to be more reading, the more you'll allow them to do it. But the moment we start taking things away from them or we're telling them it's not on their level or that's too easy, then why take that away from someone? I'm a grown man who loves picture books and that's okay. Like they can read what they want. Um, and so just and I and I love that you shared that story because it's it's the very same thing for the kids in our classroom. Whatever they're reading now is eventually going to lead them to something else. So and that's what we want. So let's not take that away from them.
0: Yeah. All right. Will anything to add to to this little
1: no, part about Re? reading?
0: Oh yes, I'm so excited for this. I've been waiting for 45 minutes now. The last time we weren't able to talk about it, but Oh, let's talk about the Bahamas. Oh my God! Let's talk about gosh. the cruise to the Bahamas.
1: I just, what is life like? What in the world is happening? Um, and I, I said this last time, but and I feel really lucky that just to be part of this. You know, I've grown when I was growing up. I loved going to music festivals and I loved going to concerts. And one of the reasons it's so fun to to do it's because you're in this collection of people and you're all there for the same thing, right? Like you all love. You all, you don't know these people, but you all love it. And that's a really, it's a really good energy to be around. And so uh, now being a professional and going to teacher conferences where that's the, the people that are coming to these teacher conferences, that's the, the feeling that you get. Like everybody just loves it and we all want to be uplifted. And that's a good thing to be around. Uh, and so now to be on a boat <laughs> for four days and to leave the country together i don't even know what that is going to be like i don't even i can't wrap my head around it uh and i still and we still have like a whole year this is happening in 2019 and we still have a whole year of life to live and i'm thinking about this this trip uh Uh, and i'm so excited i think it's it's I i don't even know if it's been done before but other things have cruises like uh bands have cruises uh, like Kiss, I don't know if you guys know that, but like Kiss has a cruise, and you cruise with Kiss, and they play do concerts. And uh, Broadway has cruises, and so I think it's time for teachers to have their own cruise. Yeah, and I think it's going to be uh, super amazing to like be on a boat with people for the common good of just like loving teaching, sharing ideas, connecting. Um, I never thought being a teacher that I would have this opportunity to to meet teachers outside of like my own bubble and now that I have it I'm super grateful for it but one of the best things is being able to talk to teachers and getting a different perspective because when you're only in your own bubble like it's very easy to think like every school system might be the same and teacher stories might be the same but one of the biggest blessings from Teacher Heart Out has been talking with teachers and getting this, this new idea of, of teachers and things that they're going through and the great things that they're doing and things that they're struggling with so I'm, I'm excited to have more of that because we're going to be stuck together on a boat, so we're going to make the most of it and really yeah. get to know each other and just get to hear amazing teachers speak and go to the and that that's the next part like when we actually dock in the Bahamas, uh, one of the presenters, Casey Bethel, who is I'm like a super fan of him. He's just amazing. Yeah. Um, he graduated from the Bahamas, and his aunt uh, is the principal of the school that we're visiting. And it's just going to be this amazing workshop of us getting to work with these teachers and talk with them about their, their schooling and what we know and how we can support them and they, how we can get ideas from them. Um, that's going to be a really special moment of the whole trip, I think.
2: Yeah,
0: um, yeah. And, and, uh, and just yeah. to clarify, we're, we're talking about the Teacher Heart Out Conference. Juan is presented. You presented at – there's been two so far, right?
1: Yes, I presented in Houston in uh in uh Nashville.
0: And you're n- and you're not going to be the one that w- at the one we're going to be at in Vegas, right? You're going to be in Australia. Yes. And then That's there right, I
1: will be- Yep. Sorry, go
0: ahead. And then I was going to say there'll be another one where you'll be at in October in Miami, right? That's Correct. the re-
1: Yes. Awesome. So, and I'm, and you guys will be at the Vegas one,
0: right? Yep. Yeah. Such so your
1: bummer about that, one. Yeah. yeah I'm excited, I
0: super excited. Yeah, it would have been good to have you uh so that way Wilkie doesn't have to watch me by my, you know, by himself, you know, try to make sure <laughs> I stay out of trouble and you know, don't do don't do all that stuff, but uh no, we're we're super excited and did you see the the video that Eric Crouch posted today about the donors choose matching? I thought that was so awesome.
1: Yes, I saw that. Um just what a um, like donor's choose like wow what an amazing thing for all teachers to be able to like just get on that and say like hey i need this and be able to get funded and just right now if you're listening to this and it's current they are all professional developments there's a matchback offer so whatever someone uh, donates to you they'll match it and they're doing it until they run out of money that's amazing that's such an amazing opportunity to and i think that's one part of teaching that is important like we need to constantly be on our game and find out what's new and continue getting um to continue learning because what we know isn't enough and the world is always changing so we need to change what we know and um so for them to fund professional development that's huge that's awesome
0: yeah yeah and and they like i said it, it was put po- i saw it posted on the teacher heart out facebook page i haven't seen it if it's on instagram but if, if you're listening to this and you don't think you can go to the Bahamas, you don't think you can afford it, go to DonorsChoose.org, sign up for the professional developments, and, and if you get people to donate to your DonorsChoose page, every dollar that's donated to your page will be matched by um, DonorsChoose, and it's the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, I think, that are supplying a lot of this money. So we hope that you won't be um, scared away by the cost of of the trip. I know I'm going to start um saving up money now cuz like you said it is a year away, so you know, just to prioritize that and and to really make sure that you know it, it just can be the the best experience possible. We're we're super excited to uh to be a part of um to be able to go out to Vegas and to be able to go on the cruise. I am I'm, I'm pumped for both of those events. Yes, it's going to be so good. I
1: can't believe it's a thing. Like I'm I I'm I'm, I'm going to keep I'm pro- I'm still going to be saying that on the boat. Like I can't believe we're on a boat with a bunch of teachers. <laughs> oh, man. Like it's unreal. Yeah, it's going to be. Yeah, I'm glad I got my sea legs already. I went on my first cruise last summer, so
2: I'm I'm really excited about it. Yes, really, really excited.
0: Yeah, it's awesome. So we want to make sure we're we're respectful of your time. Once so we'll we'll start to uh, to wrap it up and just ask ask some of the questions uh, that we asked towards the end. So, what is your proudest accomplishment to date?
1: being a teacher like that's still that it's being I think um I think this is what I this was my for me it feels like my calling it's what I'm supposed to be doing and because I'm because I am an educator um it's led me to all these other great accomplishments but I think it all started there like the the fact that I wanted that I am an educator yeah uh that's, that's what I'm most proud of, and that's my proudest accomplishment. And I think I, from there, I just continue getting more great accomplishments, but the main one is definitely being a teacher.
0: Nice. Perfect. So um, what is the best advice you've ever been given, and, and who gave you that advice? And this can be in life or or in the education space.
1: Um, so one of the, I, I feel like I'm... I've I've been given lots of great advice and most of it comes from my mom I think because <laughs> sometimes like my parents are the ones that I go to and they can just tell me something and they just it snaps right into place for me. But one of the biggest things that I carry around with me um when I graduated high school, I actually was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and so uh it was, and I was I was diagnosed at stage four and. Uh, So I went and I was, and I was 18 at the time. I had just started college that got ripped away from me. And so I instantly was just angry all the time. Like I didn't talk to my family when I was going to treatment. Um, I wasn't a happy person. And so when I was doing my chemotherapy, I was sitting in the the chairs and there was a man next to me who was always trying to make conversation with me and I wouldn't talk to him. Like I was just so mad that I wasn't talking to people and, uh, he leaned over, and he was, and it was like, you know, weeks of him trying to talk to me and make conversation, and I just would sit there, and one day he said to me, you know, it could be worse. And uh, when he said that, it flipped my whole life around because it was kind of like, it made me realize, like, okay, like, this situation is not ideal. You're not happy, but you're here. Like, it could, it, and to me at that moment, it was like, could be worse. It could be death. Like, I could be done but I'm not, I'm not done. I'm here. And so, um, so I say that to myself all the time. Like when, when, when it's rough and when I feel like I'm stressed, it's like, it could be worse. And when I say those, that to myself, it gives me that, that, that second win that it puts like things back in perspective for me. Um, so that is, and that's the best advice. And I, I get great advice all the time because I, I'm so lucky to have so many great people around me, but that is, if that question ever gets asked to me that's the story i'm going to tell
0: because it's one that i carry with me uh, all the time wow man that's that's an incredible wow. story and and i that was something uh, you didn't that was not a story you told the last time so no no man we we appreciate you <gasps> being open and and wow. and telling that story man that's that's incredible that I mean, I'm just proud of you that you got through it. But I mean, to have taken that moment, but like to in that moment uh, to have been changed and to have that perspective, man, it it's it's incredible.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <sighs> yeah. All right, so we got a couple more here. Um, what is advice that you would offer to struggling teachers? And I know that's broad, but you know, just in general, a teacher who's struggling, what's what's the one thing you would ask them to do or suggest that they do
1: just first you know like you're not alone and I think sometimes especially in this new era of social media where we are uh, sharing our highlights and our best moments uh you know because I think even me like I don't I don't share like when I'm struggling right like I don't have a picture to show like when I had a bad day um but uh just when you are struggling when you're down the dumps like you're not alone because we've all been there And so remember why you came into this profession and I, and that's like I said earlier, like I'll go back to that. I think about the kids. I remember, I remember why I'm doing what I'm doing and that kind of helps me get back in a, in a healthier mindset. But this, and that, you know, this job isn't easy. We didn't sign up because it was going to be like a cakewalk. We knew this was going to be hard. We knew this was going to be a challenge. So, When you are, when it is, when it's a struggle, know that you're not alone. And one day, like I could be having lots of great days, but the struggle is going to be there and we're all going to face it. This job isn't easy. And so if you're listening to this and you, you're a new teacher, um, it's not easy. This isn't an easy job. It's fun and it's worth it. And it's going to be some of the best work you do, but it's sure as hell not going to be, um, easy. And so when you are struggling, find the, and I think we all have our things, like I say, like I reflect on. The beginning I always think, remind myself about the kids but then you just have to find the things that work for you like how can you step away from it too so you can come back stronger because that's one of my favorite things about this job is that tomorrow I can be better right like I because kids are resilient they will respond to whatever it is that we need them to respond to so when you have a horrible day when things are going bad um, when it's within the classroom because we can control what's happening in the classroom, we can come back in there and we can be better the next day. And there's hope in that. And that when you can just walk away from it and kind of recharge and come back and know that you can still be great and still do great things. Um, that's huge.
0: Man. Like, I I don't wow. even know what to say to that. That's that's so perfect. Wow. <sighs> yeah speeches on that man that's that's such good advice and that's that's not good advice just for a new teacher that's good advice for any teacher right. or any person I,
1: it, it
2: stunned me because you were speaking directly to me even as I you know I'm contemplating a decision to go back into the classroom from my position um, just to kind of get back in touch with what what I'm coaching people on you know um and so, like I say, that advice is me like, like right, 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 at my core. So, thank you so much. <laughs> I'm gonna have to use this podcast and go make this my go back to whenever I start having those
0: moments next year. So, mm-hmm. thank you, you, <laughs> both. Yeah, absolutely. So, so before we ask you the last question, Juan, um, people that want to follow you, connect with you, what's the best way for them to do that?
1: Uh, Instagram. That's really where I share uh, my teacher life. So it's teaching third at, with Mr. G. Um, I have like I have Facebook and I also blog over at Scholastic. Uh, but if you want just kind of like daily insight to, to teaching life with me, um, that's where I'm sharing it. And if you say, And also, I just want to say, like, I'm really horrible at emails and messages. So if you message me, I will rant, I will get to you some random time, but I get to them eventually. I'm just really slow at it. <laughs>
0: just put that out there. Yeah, no worries. So, um, like I said, man, we we appreciate you spending a little <laughs> extra time with us because of my error. But uh, you know, Wilkie said when we lost it the last time that there must have been some a few things that we needed to add, and I I felt like we have definitely done that. So we we appreciate you taking the time, man
1: absolutely i was glad to do it and i'm so thankful for the work that you guys are doing and thank you for asking me to do this
0: yeah yeah absolutely so so last question before we we get you out of here what do you want your legacy to be
1: you know and this was um for me like my legacy and i just really quickly want to say i saw hamilton for the first time this past weekend and uh and I'm not like a huge Broadway person but I I go to some shows and that I was floored when I saw it and so much of that was about your legacy and the stories that the stories that people will tell about you and uh so I hope that um when people speak with me and I'm not here anymore I just want it to be that I was like all about love and that I loved really hard and I loved a lot and I made you feel loved um that's it. That's what I want my legacy
0: to be. Simple enough, man. Yes. So, once again, we we appreciate the time, Juan. Thank you so much for taking time out to to have a little
1: chat with us again. Absolutely. Thank you for having me.